0: Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. We really wanted to take time tonight to do that. We just, uh, we can't do it with all, without all this help and all of these folks that have just labored together. Uh, what a tremendous collaboration of churches and leaders coming together. And I tell you, it, it, it's difficult to get people from different places to work together. But I tell you, Reach Network is getting it done. I tell Reach Network is getting it done. And we just appreciate that. So I want to minister tonight on something that I believe is going to help us as we finalize this night. And I want to talk about persistence to finish the fight. Persistence to finish the fight. Because I believe persistence is something that all of us need if we're going to finish what God called us to do. persistence has to do with completing something despite the difficulty. Talking about not giving up. It is the effort required to do something and keep doing it till the end. Even if it's difficult. Persistence gives you the ability to finish all the way through. All the way through and never give up and never quit. The reason why most people don't finish is because it's difficult. Otherwise, we'd have a lot more finishers than we did starters, right? I can't tell you, and I've said this before, how many times I see people start things and never finish them. In fact, if I had a dollar for every time I see somebody on social media taking a picture of themselves the first day at the gym... (laughs) Here I am. I'm starting this out. Shut up. Show me a picture a year from now. Don't show me the first day. Or they have that smoothie, you know, hey, look it. I'm on a new diet. First day. Come on. Show me that a year from now after you've been drinking that smoothie. See if you can get tired of it. and You're still doing it. But so many people start things and they never finish them. And I believe today God has called us to finish what we've started. Yes. And here's the reality tonight is that we've, lo- we've left a lot of things undone. And really, there's a lot of people today that live life where they've been distracted by things, and therefore they've not finished them. There's been a debris of unfinished projects, debris of unfinished dreams, unfulfilled commitments, unkept promises. Because they never finished what they started. But I'm going to pray today that the Lord would give us persistence to finish the fight. Let's pray right now. Father, we thank you tonight for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your grace tonight, Lord. We pray that you would open all of our hearts, all of our minds tonight. Lord, remove every distraction. Lord, it's been a tremendous week. You've met with us every night, every morning. Every time we've come together to pray, I thank you for these folks that have come tonight, Lord. I pray, God, today you'll minister to their lives. Pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare your word. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 So let let me just say this today, that finishing is more important than most of us understand. Here's what I want to say. What? Most of us don't realize what separates the average person from the above average person. The above average person has what they call persistence, but they call it a stick to it type of thing. They, they stick to it. They have the ability to persevere. They have the ability to to keep going this is what separates successful people from unsuccessful people this is what separates business leaders and military leaders and all kinds of people in different aspects of leadership is that they have this thing where they stick to it in fact they did a survey and they found that it's not what you know it's not who you know it's not how much you know, but there's one quality that you need if you're going to finish what you started, and that's a thing called grit. How many have ever had gr- heard of grit? That grit is the strength of your character. It is the refusal to quit. The difference isn't what you know or who you know. It's the willingness to stay in the fight. In fact, enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. Thank you very much. You can, you can go ahead. Thank you. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to go to sleep for a minute here. And I want to get a little bit more excited over this thing. But I appreciate you. Thank you. It's easy to start, but how many know it's very rare for people to finish? In fact, in this walk, in this Christian journey, I've seen a lot of people start their walk with God, but very few finish. I've seen many people that were excited about the things of God and unfortunately never finished. There's something about persistence that you're determined to finish. Because here's the reality. By nature, we tend to take the easy way out. Our nature is to take the easy path. Our nature is to quit if it gets too difficult. But I believe if we're going to be a finisher... We got to commit not to quit. In fact, did you know that even in the secular world, many of the people that are succeeding today in movies or in production companies, uh, many of them today, they understand what persistence is. I don't know if you like this actor or not, but I was reading about him. His name is Jim Carrey, and he was 14 years old when his father lost his job. He said his family hit rough times, they had to move into a VW van, and at age 10, he took an eight-hour-per-day factory job after school just to make ends meet. They said at age 15, Kerry performed his first comedy routine on stage for the first time with a suit that his mom had made for him, and he totally bombed, but he was undeterred The next year, at 16, he quit quit school, focused on his comedy, Food Time. Then he moved to L.A., and shortly after this, he would park on Mulholland Drive every night and visualize his success. In fact, one of the nights, he wrote himself a check for $10 million. And he wrote on this check $10 million for acting services rendered, which he dated for Thanksgiving 1995. Did you know just before that date he hit the payday with the movie Dumb and Dumber? (laughs) He put that deteriorated check that he had carried all this time and right at when his father died he put it in his father's casket and he said, I made it. See, how do we as disciples of Jesus Christ if the secular world if people in the world have persistent, how do we as believers stay persistent? What is it that will keep us going? Because I'm gonna be honest with you, there is the devil that doesn't want you to succeed. There's the devil that doesn't want you to finish. In fact, Paul the Apostle, and I'm gonna read this scripture where he's writing to Timothy. It's a spiritual son. It's kind of like a farewell letter. He's giving them this letter. It's an emotional letter. And he said this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. Fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, he says, my life has been poured out as an offering to God. In fact, many times when in the Old Testament, when they sacrificed an animal, they would finish it with with wine or they would put something on top of it to seal the offering or to seal the sacrifice. And he said, my life had been poured out just like on top of this offering. And he said, the time of my death is near, he says. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. When you read the context of what's going on here it's apparent that during that time that the emperor nero had already sentenced paul to death so keep in mind paul is probably writing from a dungeon he's probably writing deep down in a dungeon and he's awaiting his death we don't know if it's years away or months away but he's got to say his final letter to Timothy, and he's encouraging him, and he's telling him, continue to share the good news, continue to spread the gospel. He tells them there's going to be suffering. How many know that's true? Doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You you will endure suffering. There will be time when it's difficult. And then he says, uh, I want you to fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. And he says, for me, I've already poured it out. I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I remain faithful. And when I begin to read this, I begin to realize that if you read this story, this is the same thing that God would say to us right now. We need to finish the fight. Yeah, right. Now, if I can say anything to this next generation, I want to give you three F words, Right? I'm going to call you three F words. Not, not bad words, okay? <laughs> three F words I want to give you. In fact, they're written right here, what Paul says. He says, finish Fight and faithful. Three F words, okay? Finish, that means don't quit. Fight because it's worth it. Stay faithful because others are ca- counting on you. He said, I've been in this battle, I've not given up. I've fought the good fight, I have remained faithful. And here's what's obvious that Paul had finished his race, but our race isn't finished yet. God is still calling you and I to finish this race. You are not dead. You're not done if you're not dead. And so there's more to do for the kingdom. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, there's more you can do for God. There's greater assignment for you. Think about this. There is more people to reach with the gospel. There are more people to love. There is more to give to. There are more ministries to start. There are more hope to share. There is more friendships to make. There is more addictions to break. There are more souls to be saved. God is counting on you today. In fact, God is a God that is the finisher. Hebrews 12:1 said, Since we're surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down especially the sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and what? Never give up. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Then it says, think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people then you won't become weary and give up. So I want to remind you again that God is a finisher. God doesn't do things and doesn't finish. God is not a God that does things partially. He's not a God that does things fractionally or fragmented. When God starts something, he finishes it. God is the finisher. God starts something and he intends to finish. The Bible says he's the author and finisher of our faith. And I will state this to you today. In fact, I will tell you, God gets agitated. God gets a little irritated when you and I start something and we don't finish it. When he created the world, he started it and he finished it. When he split the Red Sea, he started it and he finished it. When the walls of Jericho came falling down, he started it and he finished it. When Jesus healed the ten leprous men, he didn't, he just healed five, he healed all ten. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he wasn't walking dead, but he was alive. Uh, Whatever God does, uh, what he starts, uh, he will finish it. Uh, In fact, Jesus hung on the cross and he said it is finished. Uh, Not that he was finished, but the plan of redemption was finished. God finishes what he starts. In fact, in your life, what God has started in your life, he's going to finish it. Philippians 1, thing being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, what? Will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. This should cause all of us to have a different perspective. It should cause all of us not to panic, not to be overwhelmed, not to say what's going to happen. If God is working in your life, he will finish working in your life. If God got you that job, he'll help you finish the job. If God gave you that child, he'll help you raise that child. If God put you in ministry, he'll help you fulfill the ministry. God is the finisher, but you got to have enough persistence in you to finish. God the finisher, but will you have persistence in your life to finish? Here's the reality, all of us know this, that Christianity is not a sprint, it's a marathon. A sprint over an 11 seconds or 10 seconds, but a marathon lasts for a long time. And the reason why many of us get distracted is because somewhere along the marathon, we get hurt, we get tired, we may even get sidelined, we may even trip and fall. And this is why many people today don't finish the race because they've allowed some of the hurt from the past. Some of the pain along the way to keep them from finishing. Or something has distracted them from staying focused on the race. In fact, he says here in Hebrews 12, 1, Let us run the race that is before us and never give up. He said, Remove everything or anything that would get in the way. In other words, there's things in our lives... That if we're not careful, can distract us from finishing this race. And let me just say this. Let me be clear. Not all distractions are destructive, but many can lead to destruction. You may be doing some things right now that's not destructive. But eventually, if you're not careful, if you put it before God, it can lead to destruction. All of us today, we have a unique race that each of us is supposed to run. And if we're not careful, we begin to run the race that people put on us. In other words, people have an expectation. And you begin to run their race, not your own race. You begin to run the race that your parents put on you. That your peers put on you, that your co-workers put on you, that your loved ones put on you, and they may mean good by it, but it's not what God had for you. And sometimes we're involved in things that are wasting our time, that are not necessarily evil, but they're wasting our they're not as important as the kingdom of God. What is distracting you from God's will? And this is what I understand. Satan is our enemy and he sometimes may not make us really really bad people but sometimes he can get us being really really busy people and we become so distracted and so busy doing less important things than doing the most important things I've seen it in people they're busy, they're doing things uh, that are less important rather than putting God first We're trying to keep up with other people. Again, we're not against wealth. We're not against uh, having money. We're not against doing well. But wealth is not our primary goal in life. God is. Am I right? We get involved in habits. And we get distracted by social media. We've heard a lot about that this week. We get distracted by other things. Uh, We get distracted by our past. And so now we're walking around guilty of things that we've done to others or we're, we're bitter about what people have done to us. Or we're resentful. Yeah. So we're bitter with what people have done to us and we're guilty of what we've done to people. I talk to people all the time and they're always talking about their past. And it's, it's that sin that so easily weighs them down. It's like you, you, you got two garbage uh, bags and you're trying to carry these bags and, and you're, you're, you're not free. You, you have this weight on you. And I can't tell you how many people that I see with this weight of the past regret, past things that they've done, things that they're holding, resentment, they're bad. They're mad at this person. They're mad at themselves. And they can't seem to keep going on. Paul the Apostle, let me tell you, Paul had a lot of regrets. He was like a a, a religious terrorist. He persecuted the church of God. And yet he said this. We know the scripture, Philippians 3.13. Forgetting the past. I said forgetting the past. I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race. In other words, I'm not letting the past distract me. I'm not letting the past keep me stuck. I have to run the race. Uh, I'm not focused on past hurts. Uh, I'm not po- focused on past things in my life. I'm being persistent. I'm not holding on to grudges. Uh, I'm not holding things over people. Uh, I'm forgetting the past, uh, and I'm looking forward to what ahead this is the only way you're going to finish number two you got to fight man I can't tell you how many times I see people come get saved and they tell me how much they were a fighter I fought 10 guys man you can't even make it to church I'm staying home, I got in an argument with my wife. God, really? You can't fight that? You know, can't get through a little bit? You know, my a little battle, come on. I told you what my wife calls them, weak sauce. Weak sauce. You're weak sauce, man. Here's the thing, let's be honest. All of us have something inherently in us that causes us to fight. No matter what size you are, how tall, how small, if you're threatened, if your family's threatened, let's be honest, you're going to fight. I mean, people come, if I hear a noise at night, I'm going to get a lamp or something. I'm going you know, to be this kung fu guy. I don't care. I'm going to fight. <laughs> I'm like Pastor Eddie. We're, we're putting out a pistol, man. I mean, I wouldn't try to break in his house. I'm going to tell you that right now. But all of us, we have a tendency to stand up for the weak. We have a tendency to stand up for injustice. Today, we have a lot of people that are investing their time fighting for equal rights, fighting for different causes, and their good causes, better jobs, safer neighborhoods, all these things. And the good causes are endless, but there's no greater fight than you can be in than the fight of faith. Yes. So let me just say this. I want to take the opportunity to inform everybody in this room right now that we are in a war. I said we are in a war. And here is the fact. We're facing an invisible adversary who's aggressively attempting to hinder us from experiencing all that God has for us. And it's summarized in John chapter 10. When Jesus said these words, the thief comes to kill, to steal, or and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, this abundant life doesn't mean wealth. It doesn't mean safety. It doesn't mean status. This abundant life does not consist of abundance material. That abundant word is called uh, what we call zoe, which means the God kind of life or the God kind of plan. So we have an evil or invisible enemy by the name of Satan who's attempting to restrain us from experiencing all that God has for us. He is described as the enemy of God or the enemy of every human soul on earth. And so it's vital to understand That the influence of the enemy on the world. And even in our personal life. But let me just say this to you. What the unfortunate news is. uh, And the unfortunate thing that happens. uh, Is that we have this. uh, The unfortunate news is that we minimize the reality of the war. And most believers act like they're not in one. There's a lot of things that are happening in your life there are these unique happenings in your life that you're dismissing as coincidental. And you're incorrectly assuming that these circumstances in your life are just part of everyday life. And so you're not living with the revelation, listen to me, that there's an evil, invisible adversary that is aggressively, strategically at work to hinder us from being all God called us to do and to be. And here's the reality. Just because you don't think you're in one doesn't mean you're not affected by one. Just because you're ignorant that there's a war doesn't mean you're exempt from the consequences. And so we have this misunderstanding of the circumstances in our life. We're mislabeling them. We're looking at them as coincidental. We're looking at them like, man, uh, you know, why is all this happening to me? And so what we begin to do is we do our best in our own flesh to make our adjustments, uh, to make the best decisions that we know how. We've tried to operate out of our own ingenuity uh, because we don't recognize uh, who is opposing us, uh, and here's, if you ask me, here is the greatest deception of the devil, the Greatest fake news that that you could ever hear. Uh, What the devil does best is to get you to believe that he doesn't exist. This is the biggest scam, I believe, that the devil has on people, and he's pulling it off today. Every single day, there's believers you don't even realize you're in a spiritual fight. And yet you're handling things like, man, you're trying to do everything on your own. And you're dismissing the existence of who the devil is. And let me just tell you, the devil is real. In fact, the Bible opens up with the devil being a serpent, and it closes in Revelation as the devil being a dragon. In fact, throughout the ministry of Jesus, Jesus called out the devil, and he said, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. So Jesus understood that there was a real devil. In fact, when he called out the religious people, he said, you are of the father, your father the devil and you do his will and you do the father's desire uh, he speaks no truth because the truth is not in him so jesus even recognized uh, that there was the devil Uh, in fact one of his disciples uh, by the name of peter uh, when peter rose up to try to hinder jesus uh, from going to the cross uh, what did jesus tell Peter, he said, get behind me, devil. Uh, You don't know what you're doing. Uh, You favor the things of man uh, and not the things of God. Uh, Jesus was saying, I recognize. Uh, I know what is influencing you right now. Who planted that in your mind? And his name is Satan. Uh, So I want you to understand today, the devil's real. You're in a war. This is why we're talking about finishing the fight. In fact, Paul the Apostle gives us a great description. He wrote to almost two-thirds of the New Testament. And you know this scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, he said, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, what? Against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles means strategies. It means deceptions and traps. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. Can I say that again? Yeah. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. Your battle is not against your mother in law, yeah. even though it may seem like it. Your battle is not against your teenager. Your battle is not against your ex. Whoa. Did I say that? Your battle is not against your co-worker. Your battle is not against your crazy boss. Your battle is not against your wife or your husband. You are fighting against spiritual forces. You are fighting the strategies of the enemy. In fact... Paul says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. When you are ignorant of Satan's devices, he's operating, he takes advantage of you. In fact, he says that sometimes the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. Not every pretty thing that shows up is an angel. In other words, the devil doesn't always show up looking like the devil. He showed up looking like something else. In the garden, he showed up like a snake. You know why the devil showed up like a snake in the garden? Because a snake is not out of place in a garden. Had he showed up like a devil, then Eve would have never engaged talking to him. But because he showed up like a snake, he wasn't out of place. Now, I want to say to you, we all have, we may not have a literal garden, but you all have a garden. Your workplace is a garden where you work eight hours a day. Watch out for the snake at your job. Your home is a garden, and that snake or that devil can show up through the internet, can show up through all kinds of things that you're listening to. We better learn discernment again. Have you ever heard of the spirit of discernment? You know what that is? That's when the Holy Spirit puts a check in your spirit. And said, don't, don't look there. Don't respond to that. Don't say yes to that. Watch out. Don't go there. Right? That's discernment. And then here, here can I just say this? All of us have practical discernment. Even if you're not spiritual. Some people are stupid. I mean. Now what what is. What is practical discernment? You recognize the pattern. You recognize repetitive behavior. And then you say. I know where this is going. I've seen this before. I better not go there. Oh, I, I, I've seen this before. I better not respond to that. And how many of us can be honest? We can look back over our lives and we were really dumb. We fell in the same old cycle, same old behavior, same old pattern. Because you didn't even use practical discernment. When the snake showed up engaging Eve, he showed up like a friend, like he cared about Eve. And how many know the devil don't care a a lick about you? (laughs) He was trying to persuade Eve to go against the very one that wanted her to win, which was God. Because see, Eve and Adam were created in the image of God, and the devil hates everything about God. And so what did he do? He automatically begins to attack the authority of God's word. Here's the thing about the devil. He's so slick. He didn't say that God didn't say. He just questioned. He didn't didn't question that God spoke something. He just questioned what God said and how he said it. So when the serpent told Eve in Genesis 3, 1, that the serpent said to the woman, did God really say that? You must not eat from the tree in the garden. I mean, did he really say it? Notice, he, he didn't deny that God had spoken it. Instead, he just questioned how God said it in what context he changed the narrative he said I don't think he really meant that right, right. I mean we live in modern times today you know, we, you know I don't think the Bible really applies to everything you know it's kind of outdated you know it doesn't really apply to where we're at today you know we can we, we can co- cohabitate we can move in together that's okay that doesn't really apply to me you know I can I can shoot up here and do all these things and you know it doesn't apply to us somebody say amen Amen. it doesn't really mean all of that and here's the thing about God that God gave her a whole garden and she gave up a whole garden for one tree how crazy is that I mean to me you have a whole garden who cares about the one stinking tree you can have the tree I got the whole garden I have unbroken communion with God And yet she gives up everything for one tree. She gives up all the blessings for one tree. See, God was not restricting her. God was protecting her. We thrive best in the context of accountability. God knows that we thrive best in boundaries. God knows that when we have accountability, uh, when we have boundaries, that we thrive best. When God begins to tell us, hey, listen, uh, I'm giving you some guardrails. I'm giving you some guidance. Uh, It's like a person uh, who created or invented the remote control. He said, man, I know the best place where this remote control will operate. Uh, Keep it over here. Don't put it in the dishwasher. (laughs) Don't take a shower with the remote control. Because it doesn't work best in that environment. In fact, you might break it. You might destroy it. And God is saying that we work best when we do his will. We thrive best when we do what he calls us to do. God's telling us today we operate best when we do his will. Here's the thing about us today is that we're so busy fighting for our own rights. You know, I'm an American now. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. (laughs) That's the Constitution. That's not the Bible, man. (laughs) The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit (laughs) who lives in you and was given to you? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. This life and liberty is not to pursue happiness. It's to pursue holiness. I said it's to pursue holiness. We better take this war serious. i seen this video, and I thought, is this serious? And I guess it is. Why don't you show that video? It's a real video. I go, man, is that real? Bei den Finnish Hobby Horse Championships gab es viele verschiedene Prüfungen auf sechs Plätzen in diesem Jahr. In der Dressur gab es die Kür, eine normale Prüfung und die Dressur Championship, an der jedoch nur Teilnehmer aus Finnland starten konnten. Die Kür war eine Freestyle-Aufgabe mit Musik. Hier gab es vorgegebene Lektionen wie zum Beispiel der Passage der Balance, yeah. die Passage oder Galoppiere. Es wurde neben den Lektionen der Wettbewerb, die Balance, r- right die, die Ausdauer. They're giving it their all. They're giving it their all right now. That's what it's about. Okay, you can can turn it off now. Wow. Can I tell you something? We think Christianity is like a little horse hobby thing today. Come here. So we go around with this little horse. A hippity hop here, hippity hop there. A little prancing there. A little talking like that, see that? That's how a lot of Christians live their life. Hippity hop here, hippity hop there. Hippity hop to church here, hippity hop to there. And you don't take your Christianity. Serious. Oh, the Bible says if you're barely walking with the foot soldiers, what are you going to do when the horses come? Oh. If you're barely walking with the foot soldiers and you're worried there, what are you going to do when the real horses come? <laughs> How are you going to handle that? See, I'm telling you today, we, we walk around in our Christianity like a little hippie hop horse. You don't realize you're in a battle. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for your ministry. You're fighting for the souls of people. This is a real battle today. You better take this thing serious. See, see our, our, our world today, we don't have a sociology problem. We don't have a biology problem. We don't have a psychology problem. We have mislabeled, we have misdiagnosed what's going on in our world today. In our world today, when they won't even talk about a, a, a gender revealing because they say, well, we're not sure what it's going to be yet after. going to let the baby decide. When you got teenagers that are mutilating their bodies because they want to identify a certain way, it is not a psychology problem. It's been my diagnosed. It's Satan putting it in the minds of people. This is real warfare going on right now. And we need to stop experiencing this faith fatigue thing. Yeah. See, let me just tell you, the attacks that the devil is coming against you, it's not against you personally. It's against what you could do for somebody else later. (laughs) The hurt that you're experiencing right now, the pain that you're going through, we think it's all about us. No, it's not about you. It's about your future. It's about the lives that you're going to touch. It's about people that are going to be touched by who you you are when you get up from there and you finish the course and you keep on fighting for God. It's not about you. It's about your destiny for God. See, God's looking for people today that will stand up in the face of the devil and say, I'm going to stay faithful to God. I'm going to stay faithful to God. I'm going to stay faithful to God. I know there's a lot of young people in here. Thank you. I'm so excited. Young people, calling the wave, right? But I got saved when I was 16 years old. And I've said this before. I don't know what made me say it. But when I went to the altar that day. And I gave my life to Jesus. I said this to God. God. I'm never going back. I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. And can I tell you, I intend to keep that commitment. I intend to keep that commitment. God's looking for faithfulness today. I can't wait to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, our intentions today is still to reach the lost. There are people that are still lost. There are people, there, our, our church, our, we don't have enough churches. There are still more cities to reach for the kingdom of God. they are still lives to be touched. We can't sit around hippity hop with these little horses. We need to be praying. We need to be doing our job. We need to be diligent. We need to be fighting. We need to be faithful. The Bible says, man, it was, a, it was that shepherd that left the 99. He left them in a safe pen. Not the penitentiary, but a safe pen. <laughs> and he went after the one. The Bible said that lady had 10 valuable coins. She lost one. And she went looking digitally and found that one. The father waiting for the prodigal son. They were lost, but they never lost their value. There are people today, they're lost, but they're valuable to God. And there is no greater joy, let me tell you. Nothing brings God more joy, the Bible says, than one sinner that repents and comes to the kingdom of God. I want to see some more joy in heaven. And our churches today need to be designed. Let me just tell you, where we're reaching the lost because if we're not careful, we're still dedicated to our traditions in our church that we're missing the next generation. Yes. That, man, we want to keep all of our things in our church the way they always are, and yet we're missing our grandchildren. They're not going to come to the kingdom. Because we want, we want to hold on to our traditions. We want to hold on to the old ways. I've learned something. You know what? Things need changing. Change is my friend. That's one of our values in our church. Change is my Ren, my amigo, we hang out together. And I learned a long time ago that, you know what, we need to change a couple of things around here because souls of people is more important than the comfort of people. And I prepared my church. I said, you know what, people's souls is more important than your comfort. I want to see people saved. I want to see lives change. I want to keep fighting for the kingdom of God, for people to come to the kingdom, and I'm going to set up my church, uh, that people can walk into my church, uh, and the presence of God can get a hold of their life. The Bible says, listen to me, in the book of Corinthians, that man, when they hear the prophetic word, that they'll go down in their knees and cry and call out to God. Yes. That tells me that sinners are supposed to come to church. In fact, it was sinners that came to a prayer meeting. They heard Paul, or Peter, the apostle, preach after a prayer meeting. They came gathered. What's going on here? And Peter preached to them. They got saved in a prayer meeting. Amen. So, friend, we got to have services where sinners are welcome. Sinners can come and sinners can get saved. Can you say amen? We got to be faithful to that. I'm glad for all the things that we do. But I'm telling you what, the most important thing... Jesus say, said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. That is his mission. We need to be faithful to the mission. We need to finish it. We need to fight for it. And we need to be, remain faithful to it. Let's pray right now. Let's bow our heads. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray by the presence of God today that, Lord, we're going to finish. We're going to fight. And we're going to be faithful. That God, we know, Lord, that we're here because of you. We're here today, God, because you've saved our soul. And you've touched our lives today. And God, we intend today to finish what you started in our life. You're going to help us finish. Your presence is going to help us. Your power is going to help us. We can't do it by ourselves. Lord, there's things we need to surrender to you. There's areas, God, that we just need to be honest about. There's things that are distracting us. Lord, we're fighting, but some of us, Lord, are fighting the wrong battles. We're fighting people. We're fighting each other. We're fighting for issues that really don't matter. We're fighting for issues that are not even spiritual. And, God, there are spiritual forces that are all around us fighting against the people of God and the will of God. Lord, help us today to focus back on what the real fight's about. There's souls, there's people, there's lives, there's communities, there's cities that need to be reached for the kingdom. Lord, today, help us to fight for that. Help us to finish that, fight for it, and be faithful to it to the end. God, we need that. We need that, Lord. Give us that passion again. Lord, give us that passion where we're running toward the giant, not running from the giant. Give us that passion again, Lord, that we're going after the fight, not running from the fight. God, help us, Father, to put the loss above our comfort. Put the loss above what we like because we want to reach the next generation. What are we willing to do, God? God, How comfortable are we being uncomfortable, God, to reach the lost today, to reach those that are not saved? God, we want to fight for that person. We want to fight for that one soul today. In the name of Jesus.